Welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. This is the second episode of our honeymoon travelogues, this time chronicling our time in Italia. We'll tell you about our time in Cinque Terre, Firenze, aka Florence, and Rome. Hopefully, we'll get your mouths to water as we recall all the amazing food, wine, and art that we consumed in Italy. This is the second episode in our honeymoon series, so if you want to hear all about our time in Spain first, check out the previous episode. This is the first time that I'll be releasing two episodes at once because I slacked off and didn't release an episode while traveling, and I owe you two, so we'll see how this goes. We just want you to be able to live vicariously through our amazing travels. Thank you so much once again to our outstanding patrons, including our advanced, a.k.a. producer-level patron, Mara Zobrist. Mara and our other patrons are more majestic than the David and more steadfast than the Colosseum. If you'd like to join us on Patreon, for as little as $1 a month, you can get access to things like show notes, audio extras, personalized pairings from me, and monthly live streams. Come visit us at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast to see what we're up to. Patreon not your thing? No problem. You can also support the show in a huge way by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or just telling a buddy about how much you like the show. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast. Without further ado, here is episode 22, Honeymoon Part 2, Italy. now to talk about the second leg of our journey, which was in the Italy. boot. <laughs> Get it? It's the a, it's the a, leg it's is boot? in the boot of Italy. Oh! oh. <laughs> that was brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so full disclosure, we're back We're back home in Colorado recording this post... Post-honeymoon? Post-honeymoon. I was going to say posthumously, no, but that's no. not what's happening. No. <laughs> we're not. I mean, though, it is almost Halloween, and yeah. so it would be fun if we were we ghosts. We were actually ghosts. <laughs> Ooh. But no. I hope not. I, um, I hope not, too. It's possible, I guess. But sure. But at least we'd be living in a ghost world together. Yeah. Oh, I think there's a kitty out Uh-oh. there. Oh. Our studio manager. There she is. She is very displeased with us. <laughs> we came home and found like mm, eight craps on the bed. Oh, at least. <laughs> like, a, <laughs> like a lot. To be fair, it, I think it was at least in part because our our uh, last cat sitter didn't clean the litter box for a while. And so the cats were like, well, we have a stinky litter box and... We're mad at mom and dad, so yeah. let's poop on the bed. The price of betrayal. Yep. Hi, cutie. But yeah, Italy. Italy. So we began. We, so we so last we spoke to you, we were recording in Barcelona. Yeah. So we flew from there. We flew from Barcelona to Pisa. And I just want to say that Voiling Airlines totally sucks. Yeah, and I'm sorry. Not to... They don't board uh, planes th- very well. They're just the most inept at boarding planes. I don't know why it takes so long to board a plane. Also, people have this weird urge to, like, get in line oh, way, way before, it, like, that you would ever need to. Like, they have a, a stupid boarding system, yeah. the boarding group thing, but, it's... like, people will not even follow the 
the boarding as as someone who's used who's like a big Southwest booster and who always flies Southwest whenever yeah, possible. Yeah, we've been. Uh, I have this huge, huge uh, condescension and contempt for all other airlines. Look at cat is amazing. Anyway, <laughs> Italy, Italy. She's, so that... she's hiding behind a, a curtain of Winston's ties right now. Here, I'm gonna take a picture. So, but so to, we we to, took to a train. We flew from Barcelona to Pisa. We didn't really have time to hang out in Pisa at all. Um, we hung out at the train station a little, and a discovered bit. that, you know, you have to pay for most bathrooms and yeah. they don't have toilet seats. Yeah, it's like yeah. you're in town. I don't really get it. Yeah. But enough trash talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Italy's amazing. <laughs> we went to Cinque Terre and it is, uh, is postcard beautiful. Mm. And we did the hike. Uh, mo- a lot of the trail is closed down, I think, for repairs and the, so, like, okay, rock so, slides and so stuff. So for those of you who don't know, in Cinque Terre, which means literally the five lands or the five towns, essentially, uh, there are five, you guessed it, towns. towns. Yeah. And, and, and they're so, all along this like coastline with e- a bunch of like... Mountains yes. and stuff, and we between. were and we were staying in the most northerly town of Monte Rosso, and then going south, it's Vernazza, Cornelia, Manarola, I, I think, I and totally don't uh, Rio Maggiore. I think I think that's those are the names of the I'm towns mean, and how they go. I'm impressed. Thank you. But so, the the uh, trails between Rio Maggiore and Manarola. And Manarola and Cornelia are closed. So there's normally uh, four t- because of rock slides, as I think you just said. Mm. But so uh, but so we were staying in Monte Rosso, which I'd heard and I kind of think is kind of like the most tourist friendly for staying there town. Hmm. I don't know. Um, it, it just seemed it, it, there were tons of tourists there. There were tons of tourists everywhere. But it was really interesting, the difference between Monte Rosso and Vernazza. Because we spent a little bit of time in Vernazza when we were After there, we hiked there. and Vernazza was more kind of like the quintess. What I thought, Cinque, what I thought of, what I thought of Cinque Terre, which is just this kind of like, you know, little beach, tiny little beach, but and you know, the like colorful. Yeah, there's a little harbor and like the colorful buildings just stacked up on the on the harbor, and it was so quaint and beautiful. Yeah. And Monterosso was amazing yeah. as well. But like in Vernazza, it had all these, um, like it had basically a piazza. Like mm-hmm. a plaza, and mm-hmm. there were all these like cafes, and you know people are mm-hmm. sitting having their their spritzers by the water yeah. and stuff. Um, it was it was really cool. It was yeah, it was really fun. Also, I will say, if you want to experience some body positivity, you go and you check out a beach in Italy because there are some <laughs> very middle aged <laughs> men who are super comfortable in. Uh, in banana hammocks and speedos. Look at this, look at this little kid. Um, Sorry. People are um, people are living their best life. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, and and it's gorgeous and beautiful there. It was a little bit of a shock because coming from Spain, where like things could be pricey, but like not really. To going to Cinque Terre, which is one of the most touristy areas in the world, I would I would deposit yeah. um and everything is so expensive so like we went into a little enoteca wine shop expecting it to be like every other wine shop we'd got into in spain and I, like i couldn't find any 
And to be fair, it was on the main strip right by the beach, and so these were particularly touristy, I think. Right. Or, and so if we'd gone into the town a little bit more, it would have been different. But this one, like, the cheapest bottle of wine I could find was 14 euro, which in Europe is unusual. Yeah. And, like, again, like you said, coming from Spain where super cheap food and booze is seen kind of as, like, a birthright. Yeah. It's just, it's so much more ingrained as part of the culture. Not, I mean, obviously the food culture and the wine culture in Italy are amazing, but oh my God, they yes. just charge a lot more for it because I they can. Think, I, and I, yeah, I just think that the, the history and the culture of tourism there mm-hmm. is longer. Yeah. And so I think. Yeah. Italy's been post-fascist a lot longer than Spain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, um, but. So we had a couple of great meals in Cinque Terre. Really, really good. I mean, they have like, what was their, was the it? Trophier. Trophier. Trophier is, is sort of like a, a cylindrical, small cylindrical. Like um, coiled together, coiled like two little pieces coiled together. Noodle. And just like the trophy with homemade pesto. Yeah. was amazing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We got that twice while we were there. And then we had one of the best dishes in uh at at a at a restaurant i think it was just called taverna yeah la taverna yeah. and uh and it was well you describe it oh my god it was like a warm octopus salad in in a bed of like potato cream with tomato and then there of course there was some amazing balsamic vinegar that yeah. i dumped on it like it was going out of style but yeah. it was so good with that without that it was just the most unexpected fantastic it was thing. it was just like a little appetizer that we got it but yeah it was like a grilled octopus basically on a potato puree and it was mwah. yeah and so when we were in spain like the people were like okay friendly to varying degrees as we talked about a little bit we got we had a couple of kind of subpar experiences but I told Winston, I was like, as soon as we get to Italy, everyone is going to be so nice. And it it's really true. Everybody is so nice. They might be scamming you a little <laughs> like, bit. but like We got in the cab when we just got off the train at Cinque Terre. And we'd had a long travel day. Yeah. so Like we didn't know where the hotel was or how far it was exactly. But it was literally right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, it's like a five-minute walk. And there was no meter, and the guy was like, that's 10 euro. And we were so tired that we were like, okay, fine. Yeah, we were like, I can't argue with this right now. But later, we felt very bad Yeah, <laughs> for not but, haggling. But anyway, and um, and so then, just to talk a little bit about the wine of the region. By mm. the way, this region mm. in general is called Liguria. 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 And the one of the most famous grapes from this region is Pigato, which is also known as Vermentino. You might have heard me talk about Vermentino. I, I think I have to do just a whole Vermentino episode because, and maybe pair it with like Alias, because Vermentino huh. is a grape that has so many different names, names oh. and in in different regions. So like in... Uh, and and it's like a slightly different clone of Vermentino, but it so in uh, in Liguria it's called Pigato, and in Piedmont, which is just a little bit north of Liguria, it's called Favorita, mm. um, and there's there's a few others. I think in in France it's called Roll. So there's just 
there's all sorts of different names for Vermentino, which is really interesting. So um, Vermentino, my, my colleagues and I fondly refer to as uh, the, the best chugging wine because it's Ooh. just really it's just really like easy drinking. Like it's kind of fruit forward, but it's got a, a, like some nice little tannin to it and really nice acidity. It's just delicious and quaffable. So it's and, like cougar juice, but you're still classy. Yeah, it's classy <laughs> cougar juice. Oh, it's also- Italian cougar juice. Fun historical <laughs> fact, speaking of Piedmont, uh, we found out uh, when I went down a nerdy Wikipedia hole that what eventually became the Kingdom of Italy and later the, you know, the unified country of Italy started out as the Kingdom of Piedmont Sardinia, which oh, that's was ruled right. by the Savoy family. And then I'm, you know, I apologize, my Italian history is very shaky, but they sort of eventually consolidated, you know, the Papal States and the rest of Italy and um, created the monarchy that resulted in, you know, the Victor Emmanuel monument, right, which right. is this huge thing called the Altar of the Fatherland. Mm-hmm. Um, or the typewriter. Or the typewriter, because it looks <laughs> kind of like a gigantic <laughs> typewriter. and it's But it's amazing. It's white marble, and it's got two eternal flames. This is in Rome, by the way. It's in Rome, yeah, yeah. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Yeah. But anyway, um, just which, fun Which, thing. again, funny connection about the... What the the state of what did you call it of Piedmont Pied, Sardinia? Piedmont Sardinia, which is really interesting because um, I've been to Sardinia as well, and just but just thinking about it from a from a wine perspective, talking about Favorita mm-hmm. um, or Vermentino. So Vermentino is, I'd have to double check this, but Sardinia is one of the regions that Vermentino is most famous for coming from, huh. and I know that the clone of Vermentino that went to Piedmont and was called Favorita, was from Sardinia. Huh. And so this kind of makes sense to me historically that it, that there was this connection between Piedmont and Sardinia because otherwise it wouldn't really make much sense. Um, but, but yeah, I believe it was called Favorita because they're like, oh, this is our favorite grape huh. from... Maybe it was the, the Savoyard's favorite grape. Maybe. The, the House of Savoy. Maybe. It's is possible. Who, who ran the kingdom of Piedmont Sardinia for a long time? I, think. I don't remember. I know I, I I found this out at one point, um, but I I don't remember. But so, let's see. What would we? What kind of artistic piece would we pair with Cinque Terre? I mean, my my instinct because it's one of my favorite movies um, is Under the Tuscan Sun. That's I know even it's, though not it's not actually even Tuscany. Though it's not it's actually Liguria. in Tuscany. There is something very like. Because we also spent some time in Tuscany, which we'll mm-hmm. talk about next. Um, though in Florence, not in the, yeah. the country of Tuscany. Yeah, because um, it actually takes place in Cortona. Right. Um, and But the town of, in the book they call it Positano. I'm not sure what town was actually like represented in the film, but there's mm-hmm. like a beachside town built yeah. into the side of the cliff, and it's this gorgeous coastal. Yeah, when that, and that's supposed Italy to be thing. on the Amalfi Coast. Yeah, and so and like Cinque Terre kind of looks like that. It does. It's the northern northern coast of Italy, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to think about it a little bit more. But so, something like that feels right. It's just, yeah. you go there, it's a classic Italian scene. Yeah. And you're it, on the beach and... Yeah, or like and, Fellini. Like, it's, it's, yeah, it just makes yeah. you feel like you're in a Fellini it does. movie. Like, it, everyone's it does. got their hats and... I think that's perfect. Also, uh, shout out to Canada, the country, 
for producing <laughs> some of the friendliest tourists. The oh, stereotype yeah. really is true. We, we just met some lovely, lovely Canadians. We did. When we, we did. Were in Italy on and our hikes we were and hiking with some of them for a little bit, and then and then we kind of parted ways. But but yes, that was great. So speaking of Tuscany, next we went to none other than still I think my favorite city in the world, Firenze. Florence. Oh, Florence. Um, and I think that, you know, you were saying last episode um, in when, or you've been saying as we've been talking about our travels in Granada, that one of your favorite moments was when we went to Taverna Latana in Granada and my, and my face just lit mm-hmm. up and you could tell how happy I was that I was there. I had the same feeling when we like turned the corner and I knew that the Duomo was going to be there. And yeah, she you... was like, seriously, prepare yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, this. I was like, prepare yourself. I think you were like looking at, at, at something else on the other side and I was like, and look to your right. And I could just see your jaw drop. And oh it my was, gosh. It, oh, there's nothing like it. That building is stupefying. It is Absolutely spectacular. I still think the Alhambra was my favorite, like, site that we visited. Absolutely, absolutely. But the Duomo is so incredibly beautiful on the outside. We didn't even go inside. No, we didn't go to the Because the line was hugely, hugely yeah, long we, and we, pricey. As we'll talk about, we chose to spend our time uh, in a different location. No, that's mostly true. Yeah. in Florence. Um, though we did pay to go see the David, and it was of totally course. worth it. The of thing course, is 17 yeah. feet tall, so, you know... The yeah. penis is, of course, proportionally uh, impressive. No, I'm I mean, it's, it's average. It's, it's magnificent. <laughs> and you, it's one of those things where people are like, no, but really, you got to see it. And yeah. you're like, I, but I've seen so many pictures of it. Yeah. Like, no, and so many replicas. Not... Like, how how come? And then you, when you actually see the thing, it's like, whoa. It's, it's stupefying again. <laughs> yeah. Like, which I. The veins in yeah. like, the arm. And just the little details, like and, the way the sling is on his and back. And it I mean, only took just... Michelangelo three years to do it. Yeah, which... Michelangelo was, as it turns out, a dope artist. Yeah. In addition to being the best Ninja Turtle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and super gay. So queer folks represent. What? You have two of the four Ninja Turtle artists were what? super duper gay. Um, the Leonardo other being Leonardo da Vinci. Michael, yeah. Yeah. So we read, you know, we did a lot of Wikipediaing about them, and that's time well spent if you're interested oh, in Oh, absolutely, that. yeah. But we spent a lot of time at the Mercato Centrale. Yes. Which was like... Molto bene. Molto, molto bene. bene. Ah, <laughs> grazie Prego. mille. But, um, so it's... It's a very, like, Anthony Bourdain-ish kind of place to find. It's the bottom floor is just all food stalls. And, of course, you know, it's, like, all the charcuterie you could ever want and sausages made of truffles and, you know. Cheese, cheese bread. bread, wine, vinegar, and, yeah. like, super fresh produce. And it was one of those places I felt like we did we did, <laughs> we did good by finding it because most of the people shopping there were Italians. I think so. I think most people really a lot of Italians were. I mean, there there. were there were a lot of so. uh, Florence is famous for the for the uh, the leather in general, like Mm -hmm. all the leather production, leather goods. There's a a million bazillion like stores that all look exactly the same, selling leather, um, leather goods and like jackets, bags, et cetera, et cetera. But it's most famous for uh, kind of the leather market, which again is like these this outdoor stalls of different. Uh, different people selling selling leather goods, but if you go into it, then in the leather market, 
is a big building, which is this Mercato Centrale. It's literally in the center of the yeah. leather market. Yeah. And then the upstairs floor is like a fancy food court, basically. Yeah. And uh, we just, like, we had a bunch of, of um, just handmade, like, that morning pasta there. There was, yeah. like, a fresh pasta stand. Yeah. I we had, got, like, a we truffle ravioli or for something. For five euro. Oh, so good. Yeah, and I had, like, oh tortellone gosh. with spinach yeah. and meat and yeah it was so simple fresh tomato sauce and it was just like yeah so simple so perfect yeah so delicious we bought like a truffle sausage that lasted us three or four days yeah definitely made everything smell like truffles sorry sorry to everyone around us um or you're welcome and yeah we just and like the freshest tomatoes and it was so good it was so good our last night in florence we could have, you know, we, I mean, we were in Florence. We could have gone out again, mm-hmm. but we, oh, I want to talk about the dinner the first night too. Oh yeah. And the dinner the second night. <laughs> and the sandwich. And, and, and the sandwich. <laughs> and the, oh, the sandwich was so good. <laughs> we ate very well. There's like a, a sandwich shop. It's kind of on the way to the Duomo. Um, it's, it's on, it's, it's right near the Uffizi actually. And they, mm-hmm. okay. So the sandwich shop, the, the sandwiches are so huge and that yeah, like and they're so popular that the city of Florence has made it illegal to like loiter and eat eat your sandwich. Yeah. Because I think so many people were standing in line to get into the Uffizi and and, and were like eating their sandwich and then they'd get in the and they just like the and they just like toss it. And so But it they, was also like a super Italian y kind of law because you could tell it wasn't very enforced. There was just like a plaque outside that was like, no standing with the sandwich. Yeah. No sitting with the sandwich. <laughs> no loitering in front of other shops with the sandwich. Yeah. And like people were doing all of those things right next to the sign and nobody cared. I don't, like they had some soldiers protecting the monuments. Um mm-hmm. but as far as like law enforcement, um, you know, like I saw them every once in a while, but they didn't really seem too concerned with no, people they, who were just walking no, around doing their thing. No. It was uh, very chill. Like the, uh, it is very true that the Italians yeah. were super duper nice to us. But so um, this, uh, my sandwich, for example, I think it was called La Summer, the summer <laughs> sandwich, and it was it was basically like a whole ball of mozzarella, mm-hmm. like huge, on two slices of focaccia, with a ton of prosciutto. Mm-hmm. And some basil, I think, was in there. Yeah. But it, and it was so it was basically like it was huge. It was huge. Yeah. Again, five euro. Uh, yeah, exactly, both, uh, exactly. Both sandwich, well, for each sandwich. Yeah, and um, so if you're going to Florence, I don't remember the street or the name of the 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 shop became so popular that there's three three of them like yeah. right next to each other just because they were so popular. If you Google and, like best sandwich in Florence, it will probably yeah, be the first best thing sandwich in Florence up. next to the Uffizi, you'll find it. Uh, uh amazing. But yes, the so but so we also stumbled upon this really great restaurant the first night that we were there. Which was, you know, it was like mostly what a butcher shop. Yeah, it was basically called yeah. like the butcher shop. I don't, I, think. I don't remember. I don't remember but what we, it, what we it was had called. A fantastic oh dinner there God. as well. We it were was... just like tired from walking. Yeah, and we picked the closest place that had tables. Yeah, and we had this incredible like 
Italian the, summer sausage. There. Yeah, like grilled sausage, um, and then and the Tuscan white beans. Oh yeah, I'm the obsessed Tuscan white with beans. Tuscan white beans. And there. then I got Big crispy, crispy polenta, mm-hmm, and which was I fantastic. and grilled vegetables because I wanted some vegetables. But but yeah, yeah. that was that was one of our favorite meals. Um, and then the second night we went to like our other kind of fancy dinner in Florence, which was called La Giostra, I mm-hmm. believe. Uh, the, the restaurant was called La Giostra, which my mom recommended to us because they'd been there a couple times. And what you may not know if you didn't know it already is that it's owned by a Habsburg prince. Which like who... I didn't know they were still that was still yeah, a thing. I think that's, I think, yeah, I think there's still a thing. Yeah. And, uh, but I, but like this guy, he's like, eh, I could like go do yeah. Habsburg Prince things or I could yeah. go open a restaurant in Florence. Yep. And, he's like, I've got all the money. Yeah. So. so, so he did. And the food there was really, really good. Yeah. Huge portions. Mm-hmm. Paradoxically, um, I had Wiener Schnitzel and it was yeah, really fantastic. It was, but it was like, it was like the size of, our cat. Yeah. yeah. It was <laughs> bigger than my head, yeah. definitely. Oh, yeah. And and I got also buco, which is one of my favorites. And then we had uh, burrata as an appetizer. It was some kind of, like, really, really creamy burrata. Well, burrata, right? it, is, it is creamy. But I know that. But it was called, like, burrata structicking something. Oh, yeah, or something or And other. it was even creamier than Oh, is kitty number two coming in? Normal. Hi, kitty. Guys, I want to play. Come on in. Yeah, so all the food was fantastic. We ate like kings. And on top of that, the Airbnb oh that you God. found, I mean, it felt like we had our own Tuscan villa. It, it was like up on the hill across the river from the Duomo, but it had the same view as like the, the Piazza Michelangelo. Yeah, yeah. I believe. Uh, and so basically we just we just had this amazing view of the city of Florence. Yeah. And it was uh, so that was part of why the last night we were there. I mean, we met up with some friends uh, beforehand, but then they were like, "So, do you guys want to get dinner?" And we were like, "No." Nah. Nah. <laughs> like, it was <laughs> we're nice. Gonna go we're home. gonna go eat snacks yeah. in our villa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was high ceilings, old wood, a bunch of marble everywhere. It was, um, and the view was like out the bedroom window, and it was like a full like glass door opening up just into the sky. But see you that had the Duomo moment and the Uffizi right there. See that to me also. That felt very. Under the Tuscan sun. Yeah, very much so. So basically, the pairing with Italy is under the Tuscan sun. <laughs> Sorry uh, that makes us basic, but no, it's but a very sweet movie. It is. It is. It's very It's very sweet. Um, and I'm trying to think what else. I mean, I mean, like, okay, so what, let's, let's see. What wine, what wine can I talk about? Well, obviously, the wine most famous in Tuscany is the one you've heard me talk about the most, probably Chianti. Chianti, and we actually had a really great Rosso di Montalcino hmm. that we got a bottle of it at the Mercato Centrale. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was really good, and we got it for like 10 euro. It yeah, was... which that was the other thing about the Mercato was that it was the cheapest market that we went to in all of Florence. Like, it was the place where, you know, the wine was a little more like Spain prices, yeah. and the food was pretty darn affordable, too. Yeah. Um, and Yeah, because Florence... Obviously, can be very expensive, mm-hmm. but yeah. But so okay. that made us feel good. I think Kiki's not coming in. Uh oh. She feels neglected. And but but yeah. So so the wine, Chianti, Brunello. Oh, we had 
Oh no, it was another Vermentino. I guess the theme the theme of this this episode is just Vermentino. Yeah. But we had with with Chris and his parents, we we had some delicious Vermentino, which is a white wine that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ubiquitous, it's the alias wine. But the other grape that is famous for that region, white grape that I talked about in the very first episode, in episode one, talking about Ooh. The Hobbit, oh. which I paired with Rivendell, was Vernaccia. Ah, because Vernaccia. Ver- because Vernaccia di San Gimignano, San Gimignano being one of the little towns very close to Florence. We were going to maybe do a day trip to San Gimignano, but we just had so little time in each place that we just decided, nope, this yeah. this trip is just, we're going to... We're going to eat well, we're going to see things, yeah. and we're going to just be here. And we got our steps in, man. We oh, were we sure easily did. walking around five if we miles had, If we hadn't eaten and drank so much, yeah. we'd be in great shape yeah. right now. But that's alas. What, that's my story anyway. Anyway. But so Vernaccia is also delicious. It's a little It's a little bit, as I recall, I haven't had a ton of Vernaccias, to be perfectly honest. But the ones that I have had, they're kind of they're kind of similar to Vermentino, but a little bit more tannin to them, like a little bit more of a kind of pithy quality, kind of like Pinot Grigio. Um, yeah, so not not quite as like juicy as Vermentino is, not yeah. quite like chugging wine, but but really delicious, easy drinking wine. Yeah, I think I had a Vernaccia at that first. That first kind of expensive wine bar that we went to a couple times because they had, had Wi Fi. Tuscan. Oh, white the bean Tuscan. Thing. White yeah, it was beans. just it down was the road so from our house. And yeah. We had, and we, we had were hungry and we said, yeah, we're going to eat hungry. at the first place that we find that will serve us. Yeah. So we went there. Okay, so that's what else, what else happened in Florence? I don't know. Um, I guess the history thing for Florence is that it was ruled for many, many years um, by the Medici family. Um, mm-hmm. It started out as the Duchy of Florence and then became the Grand Duchy of Tuscany. Which, um, shout out to The Birth of Venus, one of my favorite Ooh. historical fiction novels. Um, if you haven't read it, that is my recommendation and book pairing for yeah. this about kind of artists in the, I believe, 16th century, maybe 17th century, yeah, probably one, 17th century. At one point we looked it up and it was sort of straddling the 17th and 16th yeah, century. Yeah, like so basically main... contemporary with Michelangelo and yeah. Leonardo da Vinci. They were huge patrons of Michelangelo yeah, and da Vinci. Yeah. Um, and I think that one of the Medicis was the like patron and then banisher of, the, of Machiavelli. Who wrote The Prince? Oh, like he was writing yeah. The Prince specifically for a Medici. I, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. That could be. That could be. That could be the um, case. And yeah, so I don't know. The if you're interested in that kind of thing, there is a TV show called The Medici's. Um, that, yeah. you know, which so, I haven't seen, but I would totally watch that. It's totally yeah. up my alley. Well, it's, I think it's a lot like the tutors, like there's going to be a lot and of boobs. The, it's all about like the, sex and violence. What is it? And, the Borgos? Uh, the, oh, the, the Oh no, I know what Car- you mean. There was like on. another pope. They like instead like at one point a Medici was pope. Like they were so powerful and rich from banking. Like they're they're who built the Duomo and they were like the bankers of Europe and at one point they were powerful enough that they were able to install a pope despite the fact that he had like no qualifications. Kept no vows that you're supposed to take to be a member of the Catholic Church. Um stuff like that. Um I don't know. Another what would be the Borgias. The Borgias, yeah. That with the, Jeremy Irons. The Borgias were also a big 
a big Italian yes. deal. Yes. Um, yeah, that's the one about Pope Alexander the Sixth. Okay, so maybe I'm. I think you're. I think you're conflating the Medici's and the Borgias. Yeah, the the Medici's because I don't think there's a. I know Lorenzo de Medici was like a big big deal. Medici masters. Masters of Florence. Florence. There you go. Well, there you go. I didn't lie to you. Medici the Magnificent. Oh, cool. Doctor Quinn Medicine. (laughs) (laughs) This is the third thing that came up when you type in (laughs) Medici. Anyway. So uh, we obviously know our, I used to know Italian Renaissance and like Italian medieval history a lot better because that was so my jam. Mm -hmm. Um, Shout out to uh, my basically sister-in-law, Carolyn, who is uh, an Italian Renaissance art historian um, who is awesome and I love nerding out with her about Italian art. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I it's 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 hard not to pair, you know, the wine of the region with the art of the region, and that's what it. Oh, the only other thing I will talk about: we didn't go to the Uffizi um, this trip, but I've been there before, and uh, my other favorite, or one of my other favorite painters, is Caravaggio, mm. and uh, and they have a, a a lot of Caravaggio's works in the Uffizi, and we talked about Caravaggio in. And uh, she took away his head from him. Right. That he's one of the three paintings. Right, because he did a version of, of Judith. Judith beheading Halifernes. Yeah. And and Artemisia Gentileschi very much was kind of in the in the style. She was very kinda kinda learned from Caravaggio. Not directly, I don't think, but mm. but she did kinda study his he was very seminal. He was also like a huge fighter. He was really belligerent, and he would like get in oh, fights all the time. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, cool guy. Cool nothing, guy, Caravaggio. Nothing like a fighting painter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a fighting painter. <laughs> Our boy Caravaggio. Yeah. Punk rock. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like Caravaggio would definitely be like Brunello and Montalcino. Hmm. Totally. While. Uh, the David, the David is more like Bernaccia, I think. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> no, the David is the most extraordinary thing I think I've ever seen yeah. in, in many ways. And I've seen it twice now and it, it holds up, holds up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So speaking of things that hold up, the next and last stop on our trip was Roma. Oh man. And we did not have long there, but we made the most of that time. We sure did. Um, we went first and foremost to the Trevi Fountain, which the was Trevi gorgeous. Fountain, yep. The Pantheon mm-hmm. would like totally blew my mind. Yeah, it was gorgeous, and it's actually like still a functioning church right now. It is, it which like, I didn't it was realize. Turned into a Christian yeah. church and reconsecrated as you know the something of the Holy Virgin of whatever. Um, but and I also I love that it's still free. Yeah, it was still they free. they could easily charge admission, mm-hmm. though. I guess when you think about it, most churches, yeah, some some you'd have to pay like historical yeah, churches. Yeah, like St. Peter's to, in Dublin, you have to pay a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, and obviously the Vatican, you have to. But yeah. but but anyway, I just I like whenever things are maintained as open to the public because there's so many amazing things in Rome, and there's a lot that you can see without paying to go in. Yeah. But I mean, you turn the corner, there's an amazing monument. Like, right yeah. o- right outside the um, Pantheon and then, again, nearby are these uh, obelisks 
that are covered in hieroglyphics. Yeah. And it's because Augustus, after he defeated uh, Cleopatra and Mark Anthony in the in that Roman Civil War, he made this huge deal of like, I conquered Egypt. I'm so cool. He had coins printed that said Egypta Capta. And, you know, mm-hmm. the columns all say like in Egyptian and Roman, like, you know, Augustus Imperator, conqueror of Egypt. Now, Egypt was already basically a client state for Rome. Like, right. they, like Rome told them what to do. Rome was the only reason the Ptolemies were still in power. R- Rome, like, they owed Rome so much money that, you know, they... But he, it was like a big propaganda deal yeah. for him. So that's why yeah. there's these obelisks with hieroglyphics that we just sort of ran into. And then we turned yeah. another corner and we like ran into Trajan's column or, well, or maybe a replica. It might have been Vespasian's or somebody's. But And the other, the other amazing thing, I mean, so this time we did actually go into the Roman Forum and the Palatine Hill. Hill, but um, I've been to Rome three times and this was the first time that I went in, went into the Roman Forum. But you can see it. Even mm-hmm. if you don't go inside it, if you're just walking along the street next to it. So I'd definitely seen it before. And it's just like, it's just incredible that you can just walk down the street in Rome and there's all of this history and culture yeah. somewhat preserved. And if you're an archaeologist or if you're an art history and archaeology nerd or an architecture nerd, like you can see the history of Rome. Oh yeah, splayed out along the. What form. were you telling me about cement and about? Oh how... well, so one of the things that helped the Romans. Um, you know, be so successful for so long was they basically invented concrete. Oh, yeah. And so most of their architecture, the Colosseum, a lot of the buildings, like there will be facades of other things, but then mm-hmm. most of it is this um, sort of ancient Roman concrete. And it was, you know, allowed them to build these aqueducts and all this other sort of monumental um, architectural undertakings that they were able to do much faster than anybody else ever would have been able to do. Um, they also obviously Which made makes excellent sense. use of the arch yeah. uh, as a structure. Which makes sense to me that, you know, things like the Colosseum would still stand mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously renovations yeah. have been done, et cetera, et cetera. But like the inherent structure of the building is still pretty intact. Pretty sound, yeah. And that makes a lot of sense to me that it's made of concrete. Yeah. And, and but also, so we went to the Colosseum where, where I'd been before a couple times and, and it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's it's un- an, yeah, it's another one of those things where you're like, I've seen so many pictures of it. And yeah. then you go and it's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but I really, the really the highlight for me was the Roman Forum and yeah. the Palatine Hill. Because yeah. it was like, it going into some of those little, kind of, what would you call them? Not, in, in, installations. It yeah. was almost, it was almost like little, little art. Yeah, there were uh, things like performance with projectors art and music. And, and it reminded were, like, me a lot of these caves. It reminded me a lot of my time with the Builders Association yeah. and multimedia, and it was. But it was that, really cool. It was really cool, and it was like so much more space and so much more than the than just the Coliseum, and if and I think fewer people as well. Mm-hmm. It's not but, as like widely known because we yeah. we did the, the Forum and the Palatine Hill are right next to each other. The Palatine Hill was called the Palatine. Hill. Because it was where like all the rich uh, and powerful Romans had their mansions. Yeah. And so the top floors of those mansions have all been leveled and other things have been built on top of them. But the basement rooms of the mansions, um, which were like where the bedrooms and living rooms and stuff were anyway because they were cooler in the summer. Because, mm-hmm. you know, colder mm-hmm. things. Those are still intact mostly. Yeah. And the foundations of the buildings. So those are incredible. And then... Um, I really like the Curia, which is oh, the yeah. building where the Roman Senate 
met, you know, so there's a, there's a building that's been standing for easily like 1300 years yeah. at least from like yeah. 800 BC. And, and it's cool because like you, More, can s- you mean 2300 years. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I can't do math, <laughs> but like you can see in the Curia, it's this, there's no, you know, Greek style columning or anything like that. It is just a square brick yeah, building. it's not it's not particularly remarkable when you compare it to what's yeah. around it, except that. Yeah, and so it's you can see in the forum, like later when they started to emulate Greece by putting these like Corinthian and Doric columns in front of the temples and stuff. But a lot of the temples would still be this like square brick and concrete building because the Romans wanted to emulate the Greeks, but they also wanted everybody to know like they were still stoic and tough and right. Roman and conservative and not right. into garish things, but yeah. maybe a little column here, a little column there. Yeah. Um, and then everything's good Roman, you know, stuff. Yeah. And you have, and you imagine that, you know, these buildings would have been like red and blue and purple and stuff, not yeah. the Curia, but you know, yeah. a lot of these houses and stuff. I really sort of, you know, felt the presence of history there. Um, in a, in a super fun way, kind of like I did at the Alhambra. Like, yeah. Like I could see dudes walking the halls of the Alhambra and like, you know, contemplating yeah. weighty matters. Indeed. Yeah. Indubitably. I mean, I'm sure there are also people just like sitting there farting or something. Yeah. But, yeah, you know. that's, that's human history. <laughs> yeah, that's but, uh... um, but I felt that again, big time in the in the Roman form, which I yeah. loved. Um, okay, so we've talked a little bit about the cultural experiences that we had. So let's talk about the food and the wine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we didn't go out very much in Rome. We went we went out for dinner the last night and had delicious pizza. Yeah, it was a fantastic and pizza place. That yeah, also because did everything else if you're well. gonna, you know, it's your last night in Italy, you gotta have pizza. Yeah. Um, and so that that was wonderful. But I also remember the our. Our first night, we were staying in a really nice hotel. Mm-hmm. It was one of the one of only two hotels that we stayed in during the whole trip. The first one was in Cinque Terre and was eh, it was fine, but this one was really nice, and yeah. we we kind of splurged for it, yeah. and but it was worth it. And um and it got to be sort of late, and Winston insisted that he was not putting pants back on, so we had to order room service. But he insisted that he wasn't hungry, so I had to order room service so i got pasta i got spaghetti carbonara which is one of my favorites and it was delicious it was delicious it was only like 40 bucks yeah (laughs) (laughs) well and and i got a tiramisu oh yeah because i also hadn't had tiramisu yet and so there you go um so that was the first meal and then the second night we had the amazing pizza and so we just kind of got snackies along the way yeah and we just got and we got you know we paid we we stopped into a few times, you know, when you're hungry and you just say, I got to go into the first place that I see, you end up going to a kind of tourist trap place. And so we went into this one sandwich shop before going to the Coliseum oh, yeah. that, I mean, the sandwiches were good, but we got like two sandwiches, two bottles of water, a coffee and an iced tea. And it ended up being 30 euro yeah, or something like that. Um the cost of water is yeah, that is tough. That is very much an American I, thing. I do of just have like to say, water all I do have to that say, you take for granted that you know, not that I am all, at all disenchanted with the majesty of Europe, but there are certain things about America that I am starting to realize that I've taken for granted, like ice mm, water. Ice, well, not even ice water, but like 
pretty good access, at least in places that we are, to, to like, free water. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, like, you're able... The only place, ironically, that we found, like, a place to refill our water bottles for free... In, it was the Coliseum. Was the Coliseum where they do where they allow you to to kind of refill yeah. your water bottles? And with... there was one in the on the Palatine Hill as well. I think. Oh, was there? Yeah, um, I be- I believe that. Yeah, because um, I mean, it, when it's hot in the summer there, I think people would just collapse of like heat stroke. Totally, if they didn't totally. Have some kind of public water. But other, but otherwise, you you know, like even if you bring your own reusable water bottle, you're mostly screwed because you have to like either yeah. the water is impotable or you just have to buy another water bottle so not great for the environment and just something we take it for granted yeah. the other is you know in america we have for the most part pretty good public restrooms well we have starbucks it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much america's well, public restroom to be fair to be fair uh yeah. so does europe yeah so yeah i mean there's not uh like a ton in New York, but there but are like cities with in good train public. Station, yeah. In train stations, oh, yeah. you don't have to like pay for Grand, the restroom. In Grand Central, you can go to the restroom, yeah. and it's like reasonably civilized, yeah. and, and it's free. Yeah. And under this urine town, yeah. pay for the bathroom thing, which yeah. I guess is very common in Europe. Which, again, this may um, be my which, privilege showing, sure. and, and that the places that I live and I have been... That is the case. Obviously, I know that there are places in the in the country, <laughs> Flint, um, where they yeah. have not had access to clean water for a ridiculously yeah, long amount of time. Hello, if you're listening, somebody do something about it. Um, I, I mean, we yeah. can all do something to help. But anyway, I... But the plumbing sitch on the whole, generally a little better here. Generally so a little better. We'll try... And fix our broken healthcare system and stop murdering each other. And you guys in Europe, you get the toilet situation yeah. together. Yeah, put seats on the toilets. <laughs> put That's, seats on the toilets. I, that was the thing that got me. It was like, how is this a good? How is this a good tactic for anything? <laughs> I don't anyway. know how you get there. I don't know how you get there. Like, was there a rash of toilet thievery yeah. going on? Uh, toilet seat thievery. Yeah. <laughs> I took your seats. Uh, Sorry, I know we're like the stereotypical fat, dumb Americans yeah, right we are. now. Yeah, we are. Sorry. I'm sorry. We're the, we're definitely the privilege is showing here. But we had such an amazing time. Um, and then in terms of the art, artistic things that I would pair, just to be, you know, the, the typical fat, dumb American that we're being, uh, I am going to say that. When you step into the Coliseum, the first thing that I obviously think of is Gladiator. Yeah. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Yeah. I think I actually shouted that the last time <laughs> I went to the Coliseum, and everybody probably hated me because they're like, "Ugh, yeah. another You're only one." You're the millionth person. Yeah, yeah. That joke. Um, uh, but they know, like, they sell little souvenir Maximus helmets oh, all totally, over the totally. Coliseum and nearby. And also, Gladiator. Is an amazing film. It's just really good. It's so good. I have to say, it is one of the movies that has really stood up for me as consistently one of my favorites. Oh, and speaking of uh, historical accuracy, um, Gladiator is extremely historically accurate. Its representation, especially of like the late uh, or the high imperial Pax Romana style army and Mm -hmm. like how it worked, Mm -hmm. um, is dead on. Yeah. And so. The other, the other uh, stereotypical connection to make is the HBO show Rome, which is also amazing. Super duper good. Super good. And uh, there was something else that I was thinking I of. I mean, that... Fellini again. 
Sure, of course, Fellini um, again. But there, there is another thing that I was thinking of. I can't remember. The good, the bad, and the ugly, and the spaghetti western. Although those were actually, interestingly, they were filmed in Spain. Oh, really? A lot really? of those spaghetti. Yeah, they were Italian-made films, but they were filmed in this part of southern Spain that looks kind of like the American Southwest. Hmm. Um, because, I, I believe that because, yeah. yeah, there's... And so a lot of, like, a fistful of dollars, few dollars more, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, um, those are all from there. You know, Inyo Morricone would be another, oh, I think, great yeah, artistic Morricone, pairing. Yeah. Uh, he did the scores for most of those movies yeah. and now actually has done music for a bunch of Tarantino films, mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. I believe, as the Battle of Algiers and some other fantastic mm-hmm. Italian neorealist cinema that I studied in college, but don't remember that well. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, Morcione's awesome. I love him. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I think we've pretty much Well, what about Chicka Chicka Boom? Oh. T- <laughs> so like we didn't really see a lot of like the red light district culture. Just wasn't really on our itinerary as a newlywed couple. But, but the hotel we stayed at in Rome was around the corner from the only strip club we encountered that was called Chicka Chicka Boom. Chicka Chicka Boom. And its sign uh, said like lap dance on one side and sexy show. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's been an inside joke of ours. So Winston and I have been pretty much saying yeah. like, you know, oh sandwich, sexy yeah. show. Or like, yeah, you know, if your stomach hurts a little bit, like not a sexy show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you feel a little bloaty. It's not a sexy show. Not a sexy show. Um, um, we did not actually end up going to Chicka Chicka Boom. We didn't. But we did walk oh, by man. it a lot and Well, but not only did we walk by it a couple of times, but there was another sign for it on a different oh, street yeah. too. Yeah. That we but it was like on the way to all the great monuments. Yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. So it was like sexy show. Here's the one strip club in this yeah. part of town. Which like I'm sure that if you wanted to explore red light culture in Europe, you, oh my you God. could very easily oh, find it obviously. just about anywhere, but obviously. Nah, it just wasn't It just our... wasn't it just wasn't on our honeymoon agenda. It was sort of like you the know. Vatican, like we just couldn't quite fit it in. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't fit in the sex worker, uh, sex workers of Europe. Yeah. Uh, sorry, guys. Sorry. Next time, <laughs> you and uh, the Sistine Chapel. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. My, yeah. Great work of art. Sexy show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Sistine Chapel. I'm sure it's a pretty sexy, sexy show. show. Yeah. yeah. I've been there. It's a sexy show. I believe you. I believe you. It's a little too crowded for me. Too many people are there at all times. But yeah. Anyway. Um, all right. Well, on that note, <laughs> ciao. Ciao. Bene. Buonasera. Vespa. Vespa. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Pairing was created, produced, hosted, and edited by Emma Sherjarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Hewitt. If you'd like more information, links, and clarifications on what we talked about this episode, please check out the show notes. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, 
or on any social media platform. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, read, drink, and be merry. Thank you.